it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, a Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. Our questions from Football Insider subscribers, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get involved with that. Mary Kay, a lot of questions, of course, still about that third and three decision. A lot of questions about Deshaun Watson. But let's start here with potentially what the Browns could do on Sunday. You just put up a story um, about Deshaun and look, Kevin didn't really want to get into any injuries today for the most part. So he certainly didn't entertain much about Deshaun, but there is a chance that we might not see Deshaun yet again on Sunday against Arizona. And so we'll start here with Jamie and Bethany, Connecticut. Hey, Mary Kay, is it time for the Browns to go back to Dorian Thompson Robinson this week against a way less treacherous Cardinals D after three straight weeks of multi-turnover games from P.J. Walker. You know what, Dan? As you mentioned, I just put up a story that addresses this very topic. And when we asked Kevin Stefanski that question today, he was non-committal on P.J. Walker. And one thing that we really do know about uh, Kevin Stefanski and P.J. Walker right now, he's done with these turnovers. I mean, he is tired of these turnovers. It cost them the game yesterday. P.J. Walker turned the ball over three times. And the Seahawks cashed in on two of those turnovers with touchdowns. And one of them uh, took the Brown was a red zone pick. And it took them uh, out of the opportunity to at least kick a field goal. Uh, so it cost them, you know, about 17 points in that game. And Kevin Stefanski really is over it. So I think they are laying the groundwork for a possible return to DTR this week. Uh, if he, if it was going to be PJ, he would have said PJ still our number two. I've asked him that in previous weeks and he has committed immediately to PJ and he did not do that today. I think that's telling. I think that's significant. I think DTR should get ready to play. Um, you know, we don't know for sure if Deshaun's going to sit out this game, but the fact that he didn't even show up at practice at all last week and worked inside on his rehab tells me that, you know, they're not clamoring to throw him out there this week against the one and seven Cardinals. I think this is a game they believe they can win uh, as long as they don't turn the ball over on offense. So I do think there's going to be some sentiment to starting DTR and all he really needs to do more so than anything is protect the football. And, and they can run it. Now they can run it better than they did back then against the Ravens. And this is not the Ravens defense, as our person pointed out there. So 
I do think that there is a chance that they will go with DTR. And, you know, part of it, Dan, is that they felt like, uh, you know, he wasn't put in the best situation when he had to face the Ravens on October 1st. He only found out at 1030 in the morning that he was starting that game. It was a shocker to everyone. And the game plan just really wasn't suited toward his experience level and his skill set. I mean, he's got a crossover skill set to a degree, but his experience level isn't uh, anywhere near Deshaun's. So I do think that there is a lot of sentiment that DTR would fare much better in his next time out, uh, you know, when he's ready, when he's prepared for it, and when they support him more with the running game. Yeah, I mean, there's a part of me that just, I'm scarred from that first appearance. It was so bad. And I mean, the ball just didn't move at all. Uh, but it would be different if Kevin takes the same approach as he did last week and just says, you know, Dorian is going to be my starter, like he did with PJ. If he basically starts Wednesday by saying, this is what what we're going to do, that at least gives Dorian Thompson Robinson a chance. Because even though he was taking those reps when Deshaun couldn't throw, it, they were still planning on Deshaun playing, like you were saying. And, and he admitted he didn't know he was playing until 1030 that day. So it would be different in that sense. Now, I would have I'd have PJ ready to go because if you get out there and Dorian looks like he did against Baltimore, you cannot lose this game. So you, you'd have to have PJ ready to go if he struggles. But at, at, listen, Kevin has spent all day today. He probably he's not on social media he's not listening to talk radio but he knows people are out there talking about that third and three decision that ended in an interception so i'm sure the turnovers are chafing him a lot today so yeah i it wouldn't surprise me if they decided to just give that a shot even though it would make me a little bit nervous still yeah i mean that there was one thing that you couldn't do on that play and that was turn the ball over if you don't turn the ball over you know, you still have a really good chance of winning that football game, or at least you have a, a decent chance of winning that football game if you don't turn the ball over, regardless of what else happens on that third and three, um, you know, unless, of course, you take some kind of a, like, big, huge sack and then screws everything up, uh, or you turn the ball over. Um, so, yes, Kevin's got a decision to make this week, and I think, like you mentioned, the key is going to be to set forth the plan as early as possible. And to let everybody know what's going on, to let the receivers know who they have to work on their chemistry and timing with. And also, um, you know, if Deshaun Watson is not going to play, just rule them out right away. Just rule them out, get that off the table and out of the picture and, you know, let these other guys prepare for this game. Let Deshaun continue to work inside if that's what it's going to be. And then, you know, have him helping these younger guys. But I do think that DTR would do much better. Um, you know, it's, it's a big decision this week. Um, and it's unfortunate that their only two choices at the moment are DTR and PG, not PJ. Now, of course, we've got the trade deadline coming tomorrow afternoon, but, um, you know, I, I don't think, uh, Jacoby's showing up on the doorstep. Um, I doubt any other veteran quarterback is showing up on the doorstep, but who knows? Maybe, maybe they will try something, but even if they do get someone, I don't know that they could, it's a plug and play. I mean, Jacoby would for the most part be a plug and play, but I I don't know that anybody else would be. Yeah. It almost feels like, and and that we did get some trade deadline questions. It almost feels like if they were going to bring in a veteran quarterback, they'd have done it by now. It, It almost seems like if they made a move to get Jacoby or somebody else tomorrow, that would raise a bunch of red flags about where Deshaun Watson is at. 
uh, because mm-hmm. at this point, if if you get a guy now, you're basically acknowledging he's not going to be back for a while. You know, mm-hmm. the, it, otherwise the ship is kind of sailed on that. Uh, so let, let's get to this question here. And this kind of continues down the Deshaun Watson uh, thread a little. Ken in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, hey, Mary Kay, it seems pretty clear the Browns need Deshaun Watson to have a shot at making a run in the playoffs. With two big divisional games coming up, do you think it's more important for Watson to rest another week no matter what, or to get a warm-up game against a struggling Arizona team under his belt? I think it would be more important to rest him because uh, if he goes out there and he's not quite ready and you have a repeat of what happened in the Colts game where he took a blow to the shoulder and then fell hard on it and it was a setback and he obviously wasn't ready to play in that game. It wasn't just that hard fall on the shoulder. Even Alex Van Pelt admitted to us that he did not look like himself early. It was obvious to anybody watching that game that he did not have it that day. So you don't want to go out there against the Cardinals, a game that you really could win with someone else, more so than any other game that they've played this season, uh, and risk setting him back when you're heading into this very crucial, crucial stretch. Two big, huge AFC North games. Two teams that you have already lost to in the AFC North, right? Um, So, you know, you do not want to go out there and, and risk losing him for those games. And then after those two games, then you have this other grueling stretch of two games on the road, back to back, all the way out to Denver, and then keep on heading west right after the Denver game, all the way out to the Rams, to L.A. They're going to be practicing at UCLA for the week, and it's like a nine-day road trip. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're trying to get um, – to give themselves a competitive advantage in any way they possibly can. But that, that's going to be tough. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, out to Denver, out to LA Rams. It, it's just, it's, it's a lot. So they need him to be healthy for that grueling stretch. Yeah. And, you know, I understand the concern of like, do you want to really bring him back against Baltimore or Pittsburgh? But at the same time, he's a veteran. You know, this isn't like a rookie He's played in big games. He knows how to get ready for big games. What you're concerned about is, you know, an injury and him getting hurt, right? That could happen against Arizona. Somebody could hit him against Arizona and he could get hurt. So, yes, it's it's more likely against a physical team like Baltimore or Pittsburgh. But I don't think you have to be, I don't think you have to live in your fears in this case. Like Deshaun, if you if his first game back is against Baltimore, he's played enough football and he's been in the NFL long enough and he's played in enough big games He's going to know how to get ready for that game. Yes, and he now he knows what the AFC North really is all about. And traditionally, he hasn't fared very well against the AFC North. Uh, I don't have the record in, in my mind right at the moment, but it, it just hasn't been that good. So, um, But he knows. He knows the intensity of the rivalry. And, um, you know, and now there are a couple of players that the Ravens have gotten back. So they're actually playing better now than they did, uh, you know, when they faced DTR. And you have to go into Baltimore where it's really, really difficult to play. And if they know that he has not played in six weeks, they know he's going to be rusty. They know that if they, you know, knock him around a little bit, which that's life, you know, they know he holds on to the ball. Uh, They know that he takes sacks and hits. 
Um, and they know if they if they rough him up a little bit that who knows, maybe he won't make it through the game again. But he's he's ready for that. You know, I think I think he's ready for what the Ravens are going to have to offer. And he's ready for what the Steelers are going to have to offer. And if he, you know, I mean, that's just the reality of the AFC North. I mean, you have got to get past those defenses if you want to accomplish your goals this season. So huge stretch coming up. That's just a, a pivotal, pivotal stretch in the season, I think. And I mean, you hate to say that, you know, uh, the, the season hinges on a certain spot in the schedule, but it certainly, certainly is a, a pivotal place in this schedule this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like you hate to say like games in November are, are going to be make or break, but it is late enough in the season that they're really important. And with the way this division is set up, and by the way, like Cincinnati looks like Cincinnati again, and Joe Burrow looks healthy again, so they're coming up now. You falter in those two games, you're already behind Baltimore, you're already behind Pittsburgh in the tiebreaker. Um, you falter in those two games, it's going to be really difficult for you to make the playoffs as a division winner. And then you got to fight your way in through the wild card, which is just really messy. So yeah, I mean, these games, and and you'd be, you'd still have to beat out Pittsburgh and or Baltimore or Cincinnati. Like those, you know, those teams are going to be in the wild card race too. So yeah, these are two hugely, hugely important games. They really are. I mean, like you said, if it comes down to uh, the tiebreaker, the division record, you know, it's so, it's so vitally important. And, you know, if the Ravens start to create a little distance and they already have, I mean, they're at six and two and everybody else is staring up at them at four and three right now. Um, You know, if you start to let them run away with it a little bit, it's going to be hard to catch up, even though there are some very winnable games left on the Browns schedule. I still think that, you know, it's going to be hard to make up ground, especially when you don't know what's going on with your quarterback. I mean, here's the thing. Just because Deshaun Watson comes back doesn't mean he's coming back strong. It doesn't mean he's coming back, you know, sharp and ready to go. It means he's coming back and let's see how it goes. And that's kind of a scary proposition for this season. It's not the way anybody expected this season to go. Dave Barnes in Richmond, Virginia. Hey, Mary Kay, do you think when Deshaun does finally get back in the lineup that Kevin Stefanski will have learned that he shouldn't call designed runs for his $230 million quarterback? Would hate to see him get injured again. Even though injuries happen in football, it seems uh, some are incurred because of risky play calling. You know what? No, I, I don't think they are going to live in their fears like that. I mean, they, they did not go out and get a dual threat quarterback to, you know, cut his legs out from underneath him. They, they wouldn't do that. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons why they have him here is because he can extend those plays. He can get those tough yards. He can get you a first down. He can, um, you know, he can throw on the run. He can do all the things that a mobile quarterback can do. So I don't think they're going to live in their fears like that. I think they're going to just call the game, let it rip and, and always, always hope for the best. And again, nobody knows where this is going. And the truth of the matter is Deshaun doesn't even know where this is going. He doesn't know. Every time we talk to him about this rotator cuff, he always says, I don't know how it's going to respond. I don't know if I'm going to be a hundred percent the rest of this season. There's almost nobody to ask. There are very few, there are very few 
NFL quarterbacks who suffered these kinds of rotator cuff injuries. And, um, and once again, this is the largest of the four rotator cuff muscles and not necessarily the most typical one that becomes strained. And so there's just not a ton of precedence for this. And, you know, you want to have confidence when you go out there. You know, you want to be able to, once again, let it rip. You want to be able to, you know, see Marquise down the sideline and fire that ball 50, 60 yards in the air and, you know, and have him go get it. But he doesn't know if he's going to be able to do that. Nobody knows if he will. And it just has really kind of cast a pall over the season. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before. You can't, you have to let a player be who he is. And mm-hmm. you'll do what you can to protect him, but... You're, you're not telling Patrick Mahomes to just sit in the pocket. You're not telling Josh Allen's, you know, every year it's Josh Allen. Don't get, you know, he takes too many hits, but you've got to let, you've got to let guys be who they are because that's what makes them great. And Deshaun at his best has always been a guy that yes, can sit in the pocket and make throws, but extends plays, does damage with his legs, turns would be sacks into first downs. That's, that's why, Again, like you said, that's why you went and got him, not just because he's a good thrower. You got him because he's that dual threat playmaking quarterback. Yeah. And you, and we've seen it, you know, for the past how many ever years that they let these guys play. I mean, Josh Allen, you know, just like it, he throws his body into every situation almost on, on every play. And they just they they let him play. And that, that's what I think the Browns, to a certain extent, are going to do with Deshaun Watson. And that's why I think it's vitally important to have a really good backup. You know, you don't want to put yourself in a position where you're not making the playoffs because your backup quarterback couldn't get you there. And here's the weird part about this. When you look at last season, last season they had a backup quarterback who was protecting the football and pretty much doing his job in Jacoby Brissett in those 11 games when – Deshaun Watson was serving his suspension. What they didn't have last year was a defense that was getting takeaways and setting him up with good field position and a special teams that was doing everything right and making every kick. And, you know, once again, getting some nice long returns and whatnot. Um, So now it's like if they just had good quarterback play and could protect the football, they would be well on their way to making the playoffs this season. And now everything's a little bit up in the air. Scott Mandel from Los Angeles. Uh, a lot of questions about the third and three play call. Uh, you know, we did a whole pot of really discussing that. Scott is taking a little bit more of a global look here. Hey, Mary Kay, what did you think of Kevin Stefanski's play calling on Sunday overall? Uh, says he thought it was greatly improved. Didn't mind the third down pass call, uh, because you expect your quarterback to make a three-yard pass. But what did you think of the way Kevin Stefanski called that game yesterday? You know, I I thought it was a really nicely called game. The screens were very effective. They did a really good job of attacking the weaknesses of um, of the Seahawks. They ran the ball 40 times. They ran the ball 40 times for 155 yards. So they really were trying to support P.J. Walker uh, with a good running game. They possessed the ball. I mean, how could you argue with this? They possessed the ball for more than 36 minutes uh, to only, of course, 23 minutes 
for the Seahawks. That's just incredible. Um, so they did so many things right. They were converting third downs. They were getting those screens, all different kinds of screens. Two of them went for 41 yards. Uh, they were doing the right things. And I thought the Seahawks looked rattled and befuddled in those middle two quarters for the most part. Uh, the defense went, um, they forced five punts in those. There were seven straight drives where the defense forced five punts, five three and outs, and intercepted um, the ball on two occasions on those seven drives. So no scores from the last field goal of the first quarter that, that the Seahawks scored until their game-winning touchdown. So, you know, they really got it together in the middle of the game. Uh, but I just think the screen game was cool and um, the running game was good. And I don't really, really have as much of an issue with the play call in, on third and three as some other people do. I, I mean, if if he had been able to, you know, get, you know, get that little three-yard pass accomplished, nobody would have had a problem with it. I don't think anybody would have gone back and started writing columns about what a dumb idea that was. I, I really don't. You know what I mean? Like you have to, sometimes you have to think about it that way. If it would have worked, would everybody have been saying, well, you dodged a bullet there. You should have run it. That was stupid. I, I, I don't know that that would, would have happened. Yeah, you're right. Um, I, I still think though, you, you put too much faith in, in PJ Walker, you know, with everything we kind of know about him in that situation, he, he just made a bad decision. And obviously Jamal Adams made a great play too. And Julian Love was in the right place at the right time. But it was just one of those, I understand why he threw. I even said to somebody like, oh, they could throw here because of the two minute warning and the way the clock was set up. So the concept of throwing in that situation, I completely understood. It was just this idea of putting the ball in the hands of, of PJ Walker when you kind of know the risk that comes with that as opposed to putting the ball in the hands of Kareem Hunt. And maybe you go for it on fourth down. You know, maybe you get two and a half yards on third down, and then you line up and try to go for it on fourth down. Um, that that could have been an option, too, if they would have run the ball there. So I, I, I think it was just putting a little too much faith in your quarterback to – because the play call was set up. It looks – I mean, I've seen screenshots, and I don't know for sure, but it seems like there were throws there for P.J. Walker to make. He didn't make them, but again, you have to understand like it's PJ Walker. He's, he just might not make those throws. You, you kind of have to go into it knowing that might happen. Yeah. And he's not as accurate as like a Dorian Thompson Robinson. I, I put that in my story too. So, you know, uh, you know, in a situation like that, uh, you know, the opportunity for a turnover is probably going to be there with him because he's not always as accurate as they would like him to be. Um, but I did see, okay. And once again, Dan and I bear with us, people, we both took the red eye home from Seattle last yes. night <laughs> and that is not fun. I mean, we're grateful to have these jobs and we're grateful to be able to travel, but let me just say the red eye home is difficult. And so I haven't had a chance to really rewatch the game yet the way that I want to, uh, but on the replays that I did watch on that play, I do see. Jerome Ford flashing wide open over the middle. Okay. And then I guess David Njoku was open somewhere too. I mean, there, there, when Kevin Stefanski says there were options, 
um, you know, he probably had better places to go with the ball. I really want to study that play over a little bit more. Um, but I know for sure there was a that play over the middle. Um, and other other passes he could have attempted than the one that he did. But I'm sure his thinking was also, get the ball to Amari Cooper. Amari is your best playmaker on the offense, and he's going to go in this clutch situation, and he's going to make the play for you. And most of the time he does. But this was a, a very unique situation. And, it, you know, like I, I wrote in my gamer, I mean, the, you know, the magic ran out. The magic ran out for PJ and the defense, and somebody else got to have that miracle finish that they've been having. So um, not a huge, huge, huge pro- problem with the call. I would say more so a problem with the decision. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we'll get to the trade deadline on the other side here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, a Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. Larry from Wallingford, Connecticut. Hey Mary Kay, what's the trade deadline chatter other than quarterback? Well, you know, I've been saying for a long time that I thought that they should be looking at a receiver. Um, and I've been working the phones today as best I can, you know, again, once on a long, long travel day on no sleep, but I've been trying to work the phones a little bit, um, try to figure out what's going on with Deshaun, what's going on with backup quarterback, what's going on with the trade deadline. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the things that, you know, that I talked to about somebody today was that the Broncos don't necessarily seem poised to trade Jerry Judy. He's somebody that I really think the Browns have probably tried to get again because we know that they wanted him before they traded for Elijah Moore. And a lot of times Andrew will go back at it again. That's what happened. I mean, they tried to get Elijah last year and then they went back at him and got him this year. So a lot of times they'll do that. If you don't get the guy that you want the first time or the second time, just kind of keep going back at it until you make it happen. And Jerry Judy, in my mind, makes a lot of sense because he's heading into his fifth-year option next year at a very affordable price. You'd have to do an extension. Um, But, you know, he's young. He's a first-round pick out of Alabama. He's got a lot of talent. He's been in a difficult situation in Denver. And I think a change of scenery would probably do him good. But as of this moment, and anything can change on a dime, at the trade deadline. But as of this moment, it doesn't seem like the Broncos are willing to part with him. So, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, stranger things that have happened. Maybe they just need the Browns to up the ante a little bit. And if they do, it's a done deal. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, everybody's underground, of course, at this time of year. And then, you know, then there's a lot of subterfuge and gamesmanship and all that kind of stuff, too. Um but so there's there's that. I think a receiver would be uh, a really, really good thing for them to go get. You know, maybe a running back, but do you have to give assets up to get 
a running back and accomplish your running game. I, I don't know that you have to do that. I don't really know that you have to do that. I think that if you can probably get through this year just fine, and then you can go out and and sort of fix the room next year, depending on what's going on with Nick Chubb and when you expect to have him back. So yeah. I don't know if they're right. I don't I don't know if they're clamoring for a back. Yeah, well, especially with what Pierre Strong did yesterday, that was yeah. that gives you faith that you have like three guys that you can give the ball to and they can do different things. So I, I do wonder if that sort of eases some concern there. And the other thing is Denver goes out and beats Kansas city on Sunday. And I just, I don't know what Denver's thinking. I mean, they're still, they're three and five and they have the, the only team with a worse record than them is new England. They're tied with Indianapolis at three and five, but also, three and five is only, if I do the math right here, a game and a half back of the Browns, who are seventh. So I don't, I don't think Denver is going to like make a run here and make the playoffs. But I don't. You wonder how that changes things that they went out and they beat Kansas City. If they're starting to think like, well, maybe we're turning this thing the right direction, or have a chance to turn this thing the right direction, and string together some wins here and get back in it. Yeah, and again, I haven't had an opportunity to watch or study that game yet. But, you know, I would have thought that that would be somewhat of an easy out for the Cleveland Browns when they go out to Denver. But knowing that they beat Kansas City, it's not an easy out. It's not an easy out. Um, So, you know, maybe that is a reason why they are battening down the hatches and not being willing to part with a Jerry Judy right now. Maybe they think that they're that they can be right in the thick of it if they can string together some victories. So, um, you know, that, that could have something to do with it. We'll have to see. I I still think that they're probably going to look around and see if they can't find some way to bolster the wide receiving core. All right, let's get to some more questions. We haven't talked a lot about the defense. This comes from Jeff Sapisi in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Hey, Mary Kay, do the big chunk plays given up the past three games highlight any particular weakness in the defense or defensive game plan. Yeah, I think they're going to have to look at that. I I think they're, they're going to have to, um, you know, really study, you know, what's going on. I mean, Martin gave up, Martin Emerson gave up one of those big plays yesterday, a 43 yarder to the big and burly DK Metcalf, but then he sort of figured him out after that, you know, he figured out, uh, you know, get your hands on him a little bit, play him a little bit. Uh, tougher. But when you play, when you live and die by man to man, you know, you're, you're going to have some big plays. I mean, you're talking about uh, one-on-one battles between some of the best in the business and you're going to win your share and they're going to win their share. So, you know, that's part of, of man to man. But I mean, again, if you take away the giveaways by, um, by PJ Walker, the Browns again, had that really great stretch there where they just kept shutting them down and shutting them down and shutting them down. Seven straight drives where they just couldn't do anything. So, you know, I think for the most part, they can overcome the occasional big play that's going to happen in man-to-man as long as you're doing some of the other things right and not letting them get in the end zone and not letting them convert all those third downs. Okay, we're going to react to something in real time, um, real quickly here. Uh-oh, Darren Urban just tweeted that Jonathan Gannon said either Kyler Murray 
or Clayton Toon will start a quarterback against the Browns on Sunday. Ooh, <laughs> he changed. He changed his tune. Yeah. So speaking of that, now he's coming back from a serious injury. I don't know how much he'll look like Kyler, but that that makes this game a little more interesting if he's the starter. It really does. My goodness. I mean, now once again, you talk about somebody coming off of some rust. He would be coming. This would be his first game back from a torn ACL. He's been out forever. Um, but yeah, that, that would change, that would change the game. That would be really, really interesting. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, that, that's, you know, that's pretty significant news. And, uh, it's funny because I just wrote the story saying, who's going to start against Joshua Dobbs. Now I've got to go and fix my story. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. And that, you know, that just happened today. After you said, like he he watched film and now he wants to go with Kyler or Clayton Tuner. Maybe he just wants to mess up his good friend Kevin Stefanski Maybe. and have him all confused. Once he realized that Kevin Stefanski was going to play this little game with him, <laughs> now he's going to play this game right back at you. <laughs> well, Ashley <laughs> Ashley texted those uh, those tweets to us from Darren Urban um, out in Arizona, so. There we go. Could be Kyler Murray or Clayton Toon. It will not be the Joshua Dobbs revenge game. That's disappointing. I guess I yeah. don't have an excuse to use that interview I did with Joshua Dobbs that will never see the light of day. The day oh, that he was traded. Too bad. Um, too bad, Dan. All right. Well, I guess I'll let you go because, like you said, you got to update <laughs> that story. We've got to figure out uh, what what to do with this. So we're going to yeah. wrap up the podcast there. Uh, again, those questions came from our football insider subscribers, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Find us on YouTube as well. Search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com and find us on Instagram. Search orange and Brown talk. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great. <laughs>